0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors here. And we, you may have noticed when you sat down, I don't think you had much of a choice because you had to kind of get it out of the way unless you used it as like a, a seat cover or something like that. But you had a gift to you. That's what these are right here. Um, that These were um, developed and produced by uh, Redeemer staff members for you. That um, one of the things we're really passionate about is equipping um, all of the people here, whether you're kind of outside looking into the Christian faith and you're exploring it or you're brand new in it or You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. We believe strongly that every uh, every avenue of growth, what growth is going to look like, um, happens through God's Word, and we want to equip you to read it individually as well as to talk about it with people and just to go go deep as you can in God's Word. And so that that's what this resource is. Um, in fact, um, if there are some things that stand out for you um, in this sermon, that um, you can turn to page fourteen in this, and there's some a place for notes that if you want to uh, scribble down a thought or two, or just uh, hey, I want to read more. On- on that in the Bible, or here's a thought, I need to think about this or that more. Um, It's a great spot to do that, as well as uh, some other space to to write. You can draw a picture if it comes down to that. So um, where we're going to be going today is just talking about um, the, the surprising way that Jesus, and then um, we're today going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, that the surprising way that Jesus and and the Spirit interacts with people, with people that you just wouldn't expect. Like for Jesus, let's start there. That Jesus interacts with with people that you just wouldn't expect him to. Uh, As a Jewish man, Of his day, Um, the kinds of people that he interacts with—of first of all, women in general, Samaritans, um, other people that weren't Um, Jews—he interacts with religious people in a surprising way. Um, He interacts with uh, people that were kind of living crazy and wild in a surprising way, and so just in general, that there's a lot of surprise to how um, Jesus Jesus interacts with people, and um, we're going to see that pick up uh, today. And uh, with a very what you would have expected to be an unlikely group of people, these would be non-Jews. Sometimes non-Jews are called Gentiles. That would be non-Jewish people. And um, there are people that you just wouldn't expect to see God work in, in a really unique way. And so we're going to be picking up in Acts 10. And um, and just a quick thing too, there are going to be some people that are here today, like in this room, watching online, that you're even thinking, you know, that, hey, look, man, this is just not for me, at least not right now, this whole Christianity deal, like really doing it. Like you may be, I mean, a bunch of different reasons you could see it that way. Um, You may even respect it. I don't know. Or you may, you know, not be able to stand it at all and not like Christians, or you may kind of respect Christians. There's going to be a lot of a spectrum on this, but there will be a lot of people that are here and watching online that think, you know, maybe later. Like, I might do this later. Like, right now, I'm having a good time. I'm young. Um, I'm just going to kind of live my life. And maybe later, maybe when I start a family, I'll I'll get more serious about all this stuff. Uh, But I'm just kind of living my life. I don't think, at least for right now, this is for me. Um, Or just in general, like, you you just may not think um, you may be, like, a pretty successful uh, person, like, living your adult life, raising a family. Business is going well. Life is going pretty well. Feel pretty good, and you know that some people out there might feel a need for religion and God and that kind of thing, and that's more power to them if that 's what they feel like they need. you just don 't feel like you need any of that right now, and so there'd be a lot of us for a lot of different reasons that might think eh. This isn't for me. Uh, I'm hoping that when you're done today with Acts 10, that you may see that differently and may even sense a real personal need uh, for God to do something really surprising and unlikely in you. So uh, let's just pick up actually a few verses um, in front of where um, where Sam read. I'm going to go back all the way to verse 34, and we're just going to kind of work through um, 34 through 43, and then and then reset. For the verses that Sam read. So I'm just gonna read this first verse and um, kind of explain what in the world you're walking into right here. So, Peter, he's one of the apostles that had walked with Jesus, that's preaching a sermon. Uh, opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And I'm going to have to stop before we even get any further. And that may discourage you, but we've just got to chat for a minute, uh, a little bit about like, what's going on here with Peter. So um, over the course of chapter 10, and maybe in that notes on page 14 in the, in, the, in the guide, this might be a good spot for you to write down, read Acts chapter 10, uh, because uh, there's a lot there, but here's the basic idea of it. You know, Peter, who's Jewish, has this vision and also an interaction with, uh, a man named Cornelius in um, Acts chapter 10. And in this vision, he has a really interesting deal where these uh, these unclean animals um, that got, he's commanded in the vision to go kill them and eat them and uh, some of the, you know, West Texas good old boy hunters in here are like, oh, well, yeah, man, let's do it. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's not like that uh, because they're sitting like, a, let's go shoot some dove. It's in season and all that. This is, uh, these animals actually in the Old Testament, like in the Bible, it says like ceremonially speaking, like you should not, um, you shouldn't eat, um, you know, like bacon, uh, basically, you know, like anything like pork. Um, there's a whole bunch of foods, you know, shellfish, and there's a whole bunch of foods and even, you know, clothes of blended fabric and so on and so forth. Like you need to stay away from all of those. And, um, and so according to the Bible, like that's, if you're a Jew, like you did that stuff and it's different than like a moral command in the Bible where it's talking about moral things about these are things you should do and not do those stay consistent. Um, you know, into the time, even of Jesus, like those same moral things are consistent, but what's happening here in Acts 10 is actually seismic. It's really significant because, um, that the first part is God saying, uh, that, Hey, go, there's nothing that's unclean is what he tells Peter. And um, in other words, you can eat any of these foods. So um, the ceremonial law then, with that, with the way you would interpret that is the ceremonial law with all of the holiness and cleanness laws in the Old Testament were fulfilled in Jesus's death and resurrection. And now um, you can, with a clear conscience, you can eat that uh, bacon, egg, and cheese burrito. You can go to Joe's Crab Shack and get the snow crabs, king crabs, whatever, which are really whatever you want. Um, you can wear uh, blended fabrics and you can do whatever all along those lines. Now, the moral things continue on, but um, this is important. I'm not going to do too much of a sidebar on this, but I actually preached a sermon uh, on this passage um, inside of the last year with a little bit of a different point where um, it was called pick and choose. And one of the critiques sometimes of Christians, especially as we are interacting on the moral and ethical ground, like in the public square is we'll be making a point about some, you know, moral thing in the Bible. It could be any number of things. And somebody will say, well, look, man, you Christians just kind of play loose with the Bible. Like the stuff that you want to make a scene about, you're up there hopping up and down and saying, come on, you need to do this or not do this. And here's what the Bible says. But there's all kinds of things in the Bible that you guys just kind of ignore. Like, you know, you're, you're eating pork. So what's the deal? You're saying this is wrong, but then you're eating pork. So aren't you guys just playing loose? But the reality is, is that the Bible gives a bit of a method to that. And it helps us understand it, gives us like an interpretive grid right here in the New Testament. It's telling us, well, here's why you can go eat that burrito and why you can go, um, you know, go enjoy that, uh, that pork rib or whatever it is. Like you can go do that with a clear conscience because all the food laws and all the other ceremonial aspects of the law were fulfilled on, on Jesus's death. Okay. So um, that, that's one part, but it's actually not the most significant thing. The much more significant thing, when it says that now I understand that God shows no partiality, is in regards to uh, non-Jewish people are included now in this gospel of grace, as you're about to hear in this passage. And I actually don't think by what I said that there would have been a huge issue with that, because there was all sorts of non-Jewish ethnic people that um, became Jews, and even maybe that then became uh, Christians. But here would have been the the understood pathway for somebody to become a Christian up until Acts 10. It, Let's say one of these Gentiles, non-Jews, they had their own religion, their own customs, their own morals, uh, that uh, they would have first needed to have become Jewish circumcised obeying all of the law ceremonial and moral aspects you would have needed to have become Jewish and then you could make a left turn and uh, and then move towards Jesus and believe in the Jewish Messiah Jesus that, that would be the path Jewish and then Christian uh, but what this is saying is actually you you know these Gentiles don't need to culturally and ceremonially religiously become Jewish first that you can you could draw a straight line straight across to Jesus you don't have to first become Jewish you can just believe believe in the Messiah directly. There's no partiality now. Um, And let's keep moving this, and you'll see this build here in verse 35. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, um, he is Lord of all. I think that's funny, that's in uh, parentheses. Hey, just so you know, he's Lord of all, just in case you're wondering. He's the boss. Uh, You yourselves know uh, what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee um, after the baptism that John proclaimed. So he's basically just recounting like the gospel story about, hey, we know what happened and it started with, uh, with his baptism. And then um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about uh, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil uh, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. So basically just recounting really briefly like what you read in the four gospels accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like, look, look at the things he taught. He was healing diseases. He was um, even confronting, you know, demonic powers. He was, he was helping people. He was engaging all these different kinds of people. And like, this is the ministry of Jesus. But then uh, very abruptly, verse 39 in the second half says, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. So in other words, he was executed. Um, he, was, he was killed. Um, and then Verse 40, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. So this is the resurrection, not to all of the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And so Peter's saying, I personally was here for all of that. Like I I saw the things taught. I saw the demons cast out. I saw his death. I saw his resurrection. Furthermore, we all hung out. Uh, you can go talk to her. She saw him and, oh, he was there. I want you to go ask him. But we, we all saw him. He, he appeared to us and uh, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, verse 42, uh, that he is one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And uh, to him, all the prophets bear witness to all of the Old Testament pointing towards Jesus, that everyone who believes in him, here's the, what you get is you receive forgiveness of sins through his name. So what you can really describe Peter doing is he's pulling together his experiences in Acts 10, is he's saying, look, what I discovered today through these visions, through Cornelius is now there's no partiality. A non-Jew can make a straight line to Jesus. And while we're on the topic, non-Jews, Jesus was killed and he was resurrected. I saw it. Um, he walked around with a lot of us. And now what's available to you is the forgiveness of sins. That, that's available, forgiveness. And all of the prophets, all of the Bible was pointing towards this moment of Jesus' death and resurrection. And so this is called the gospel message. It's good news. All right, so now, now we're ready to see how they're going to respond. And I'm sure all these uh, Jewish people that were around, these Jewish Christians, were like, you know, it's kind of like, what's going to happen? What are you going to say to that? Are they going to laugh? Are they going to think, I don't know, maybe after I kind of have my fun, you know, we'll consider it. Or, or I don't know, things are going pretty good right now, but appreciate that message, and that's interesting. Who knows, what are they going to say? Are they going to laugh at them? And uh, we'll pick up in the verse that Sam read, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell Um, that there's a, um, there's a really unique supernatural thing that's happening, um, there. And it says in the believers from among the circumcised, that would mean that's another way of talking about Jewish Christians. Um, these believers, um, who are Jewish, um, who had come with Peter were amazed. Now I'd like to think that that amazement was like, Whoa, this is so cool. God's doing this. But I think if you read the rest of the new Testament, I wonder if some of that amazement was like, Oh, uh -uh, not with these people, you know? Oh, come on, you gotta be kidding me. Them too, that that kind of amazement. We'll even talk next week in Galatians and you'll see some of this unfold Uh, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, this tells you a lot, even on the Gentiles, like even on not just Jewish people, people that had come through Judaism to Jesus. But in a straight line, um, a non-Jewish person, a non-religious Jewish person um, could be a direct line to Jesus. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this whole experience right here should really remind you of earlier in Acts. In fact, last Sunday, we were in Acts 2. I mean, it was the same deal, really, when you think about it because acts 2 is just a different crowd it were people that were religiously and often ethnically jewish who were already in had already made that 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 turn and then they came straight from there to belief in jesus and the holy spirit falls on them and they believe And um, now it's the same exact layout, a very similar sermon where it's, hey, Jesus was killed. Jesus came back to life. And if you believe in him, like, well, you're you're saved and you're forgiven. And people in that first sermon that we heard last week in Acts 2, the Jewish people said, like, what do we do? And Peter says, you need to repent and uh, repent, believe essentially would be the same thing and be baptized. He says the same exact thing here. He preaches to these people, they believe. And uh, he says, now you need to be baptized. It's the same exact idea. Now, now, to put this in a little bit more uh, more current form, because I think to a lot of us, this whole thing about Jew and Gentile is just kind of lost on us a little bit. You're like, man, well, don't be so racist. Why, why are you worried about it? You know? uh, why would that be so shocking? And there's a, certainly an element of racism, but I think that, that even more than that, there's also an element of like your whole life, you were raised that, look, we obey the ceremonial law. We do these things. And you know, Gentiles, when you actually read the Old Testament, were considered unclean that you couldn't just go hang out with them. And to be unclean, meant you couldn't even be around the people of Israel, like even relationally. You couldn't be part of the temple. You couldn't be part of a whole lot of different things when you're considered unclean. So it seems like there needed to be something that happened for these people. So it was quite a shock here um, in a lot of different ways. But if you want to make this maybe a little bit more current, is I want you to think about uh, maybe an enemy of the United States. I mean, we could start there. Like think of, I don't know who you would say for that, but maybe like something like ISIS or something like that that, like, what would you do if you turned on CNN or something like that, and there was a whole group of ISIS soldiers or Taliban or whatever that were actively giving their life to Jesus, like, in that moment. Like, the gospel had been preached, and then the spirit falls, and then many of them believe. And, like, amazement might really be a a word that would describe that, right? And, in fact, some of you might have enough resentment over the last few years of battles and all that. You might be like, "Mm mm-mm, you know, wait a second, you know, and not them. And like that, that might be a way that might help you understand it. Or even if you want to bring it inside of our own borders, um, imagine um, like you're the people that you pretty much can't stand politically in our country, whatever that might be. So let's say if you're more on the political left, this might be something like Mitch McConnell and Tucker Carlson or something like that. Um, and we when one of the, one of them, were are talking, you want to come through the screen and just kind of you know, or you're on the political right. And I mean, I don't know, that might be, you know, Bernie Sanders and Rachel Maddow, whatever. I mean, it, just whatever that is for you, just make the uh, the appropriate connection. And when they start talking, you're like, you know, you got your hand up and oh, don't even. And you know, that kind of thing that um, like those people, like that's what was happening here. Those people, that the Spirit fell on those people and they were being included, and God was doing something incredible. Which even raises the question: like, would we even would we even be good with that if God were to do something really amazing with those people? That's just an interesting question, um, and that'll be one that we'll see wrestled with through the rest of the New Testament, as a lot of Jewish Christians were wrestling if if those people get all all of this whole thing. So, um, so this is the idea: you have the surprise of God's work among these people, and then their baptism as a response to their belief, just like the Jewish people. Uh, So I want to just talk for a minute about the spirit falling, uh, because I think this is really important before we pick back up and uh, how surprising this is um, with these particular people. But um, I think the best way to understand this, because there's a group of people um, that I actually understand where they're coming from that would say that there's like a subsequent thing the spirit does. Like you become a Christian, and then among some Christians, there's another subsequent thing that the Holy Spirit does and falls on some people in a unique way. I understand where they're coming from, but I think this passage would be the wrong passage to look for in this. Uh, because I think very clearly, um, this is talking about conversion. When it says the Spirit fell on people, these were people that had not believed in Jesus yet. And so a way to think about this, when it says the Spirit fell on them, this is talking about their conversion, that when combined with gospel preaching, it's always this way. It was this way in Acts 2 it, with the Jewish, Jewish people, and it's this way in Acts 10 here with these Gentiles, is the gospel message of Jesus' preached, his death and resurrection. And then the Spirit combines with that that preaching and then falls on people and, uh, and their eyes are, are opened and they begin to see who Jesus is in a new and fresh way. That's what's happening here um, with these people. Um, one way to think about it might be uh, if you're here two weeks ago. Hunter Beaumont was preaching and he talked about John chapter three and uh, Jesus was interacting with Nicodemus and who had kind of a socially constructed faith. He'd grown up in Judaism, knew all the songs, Hunter kind of joked about, um, and, um, knew all the rules, do all the stuff, was a nice guy, interacted with Jesus in a really respectful way. And Jesus more or less says, Hey, there's really just one thing you're missing, man. And like, it's the new birth like an awakening internal, like you can have all the rules and even a sense of, of uh, you know, like grown up around it. And you've been around all of the, uh, you've got a sense of belief. It's almost like it's running as a background, background program in the back of your mind. You can have those things and you can even have opinions about eternal life and uh, you can have all sorts of things. Uh, but the thing you're missing is like a transformation, and something, a supernatural birth from above is what John 3. And this is really the same thing. You're just seeing it play out here among the Gentiles. And um, it was this whole thing was written uh, to remind you of that. I would make a case that uh, Bible Belt people need this as much as post-Christian or pre-Christian pre-Christian uh, groups of people or civilizations. Like we need that just as much. We, just cause there's a familiarity of something about Jesus and America. And I mean, it all gets all kind of mixed in there. And you may have a general sense of that, uh, but just because there's a, an awareness of the name of Jesus and something about heaven and something about forgiveness of sins, uh, that there still needs to be a new birth. There still needs to be a, a spirit awakening and a grabbing a hold of these things for you. Like that needs to happen. And it's just as true for Bible well people as it is for someone that has gone, has just said, you know, we've moved past religion and we don't need all that stuff nowadays. And now we're living our life and we're making society better and we're doing it. That, that kind of person, just the same, needs that kind of awakening. And um, But I, I would say this to those of you, I hear this all the time when I talk to people that have been Christians for a long time and they'll say, yeah, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've got one of those super boring stories and, you know, I just was raised, you know, by Christian parents and they taught me about Jesus and I just believed it and I still believe it and like hold on a minute like First of all, as a parent, like I ache for that to be true for mine. So first of all, um, parents all in this room are going to say, let's not just run too quickly by, that's a boring story. I mean, that is a supernatural story that you were raised in a home and you didn't go, eh, but like it's become yours and you've believed it and you've loved him. is awesome just as surely as if some of you weren't raised in a Christian home and you've believed in Jesus, um, that he awakened you, even though in a lot of different ways, that'd be so unlikely that he's done it that just is uh, just as true for both kinds of people um, so on, on a, just a one more thing on the spirit um, in your guide on page five I'll throw it up on the screen too there's a really great um, little quote here from J.I. Packer who has written so many great things and is brilliant and impactful in so many different ways and I think this quote is too and so uh, he describes the ministry of the spirit in this way he says, think of the Holy Spirit as fulfilling a floodlight ministry. So think about that, a floodlight um, in relation to the Lord Jesus. Think of, uh, of him as it, the floodlight, standing behind you, shining light over your shoulder from behind and picking out, as the floodlight does, the glory and the beauty on, on, of that on which the light is trained, the person of the glorified and enthroned Je- Lord Jesus. It is as if the Spirit whispers in our ears, I love this, do you see him? Do you see him? Isn't that cool? He is God incarnate, God made man, bearer of our sins, and now he's enthroned at the Father's right hand. He's for real. He's not a fantasy. He's a fact. Then the Spirit whispers, Do you hear him? Do you hear him? And he's inviting you to come to him. He's calling you. And so um, that's exactly what happens. And, and I even, as I was coming here today, I was praying that that would even happen on the spot during this service today. That while you're hearing this, you may have come in thinking, Eh, I don't even care about this, or this is not for me, or maybe later, and I'm just not one of those kind of people. I'm not a religious person, and uh, who knows what. Maybe you've had some bad experiences with, with Christians or Christianity, or who knows. Uh, but what a beautiful thing it is that He would, just be, the Holy Spirit would just be whispering, whispering over your ear, do you see him? do you hear him? Isn't he incredible? Isn't he awesome? And what happens if he's what you've been wanting this whole time? And you've had all these reasons for not, but what happens if you've lived enough life to know that that all these other things are a dead end? Now, I wanted to share a few stories with you on how I believe the Holy Spirit has fallen on people, to use the language of Acts 10, and even how it is they've been awakened to see the beauty of Jesus um, in a lot of different ways. It happens in surprising ways in addition to it being surprising people. Like I think of, uh, we had a, a high school age girl, that was um, engaged at a target um, by one of our members, and they started talking, asked if they could pray for her and with her and that turned into her wanting to meet up to um, read the bible and I think probably in the living room um, as they 're reading the bible that 's where she ends up believing in Jesus that over a series engaged in target, and then um, over uh, over many weeks reading the Bible, studying the Bible together, uh, belief happens in a living room that 's when it, it happened, um, perhaps in a process, or I think of Linda, who 's in the service, um, I was talking with uh, um, She's catching up with her husband, Grant, the other day and talking about both of their their backstory. And then um, and he says, just real in passing, but when Linda's, and I said, well, hold on, tell me more about that. And so she grew up in a home in suburban Houston where like her parents, they, they weren't Christians at that time. They didn't go to church as a family. And um, her sister um, starts going to a, a Bible study, I believe, because of a dang boy. And, um, and like, that's kind of what drew her there. And then she comes home and and comes to Linda and is like, Hey, like I know I was going there to check out this guy. But I need to tell you something. You're not going to believe this, and start sharing the gospel with her, and and it's like, hey, you need to come, you need to just come check out this Jesus with me. And then now, n- then through through her sister uh, being changed by Jesus, probably there at that Bible study, um, then then now changes Linda, and then now her parents also, and now they're all following Jesus, and that all came through that Bible study. I'm not saying that's a recommended path, but I'm just telling you it's what God did in a really surprising and awesome way. Or I think here's a crazy one: um, when we start- started our Worth It initiative a couple of years ago um, that we're going to be really celebrating over the next two months, a growth, learning to um, really be discipled in generosity for one, but also some things that four things we wanted to see God do in the life of our church. And we sat down with a lot of our members at that time. One uh, was a girl named Mandy who um, started with us whenever she was a freshman at Tech. And I was like, Hey, how did you become a Christian? And she said, well, actually, oddly enough, you're preaching a sermon on like giving and generosity. And I was saved in that sermon. I was like, hold on, let's back this up for a second. I'm like, this is a really important topic, but I'll be blunt. As a pastor, every time I talk about money, I know that about 90% of you in here hate the topic, even though Jesus talked about it a lot, we got to talk about it. But I'm like writing the sermon going, you know, uh, knowing that it's just going to be tense, right? And out of all the sermons in the world, this freshman girl shows up, not a Christian, and hears the, this message about Jesus's generosity to us. And then it flows through us in financial generosity on the way out. And on the spot, God saves her as, he, as she hears about God's generosity uh, to her in Jesus on the giving sermon, of all things. I mean, who would have who thought that? What a surprising week. I was like, really? I can't believe that. That's incredible. Um, or um, I think about... Uh, um, even my own story where I had a, a believing mom and grandmother, but that's it. I had a very hostile to the faith stepdad, very hostile to the faith dad, and really didn't know any other Christians, at least that I liked. Um, and so that, that was me. And there are all these other reasons why I should not have believed in any of this stuff. But really where conversion happened for me was individual Bible reading on my own, and then some conversations with my mom and my grandmother. Like I don't know when exactly, but it was through that very unlikely thing, I think, given all the other forces and um, even more unlikely that I'm a pastor. I even think last week to Lexi and uh, Jackson's stories in their baptism that they were, you know, had, had a Christian background, but came to tech and kind of did the tech thing, you know, and you're like, what tech thing? You know, uh, I think we all know, and that that happens, uh, happens a lot. And they tried all that or tried some of it at least. And then through a friend sharing the gospel and through, um, you know, probably a good student ministry that they're a part of. And they're maybe through some sermons, like all these different things. They're like, man, like, I want to give my life to Jesus. Like I Want the spirit fell and awakened and did these things in them. And so um, I, I just love to think about how he might be doing that even today and through conversations that are happening here. So here's the thing. Um, here's what I want you to know. Um, through this passage, as we get back to the main point of all of this, that um, Jesus engaged surprising people, if you think about it. I mean, He engaged a pro-Roman tax collector and said, hey, in fact, why don't you just come follow me? He engaged a separatist um, that thought they should break away from Roman rule and said, hey, why don't you come follow me too? He engaged prostitutes. He engaged um, religious people. He engaged political rulers, military men, uh, really everybody. Wealthy young people that had everything ironed out, they thought. I mean, all of these different kind of people that he would engage them, and, uh, and then he would awaken many of them. But here's what's crazy is Jesus said, um, that, hey, you guys will do actually much more than me. And I've always been so surprised by that and even confused going, wait, I'm going to do more than you. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but here's why. Jesus could only be at one time and one place when he was on earth. That was it. Like he was walking in one time, one place. And uh, But whenever he died and was resurrected and then ascended to the Father, and then the Spirit comes in the way that Acts does. So now what happens is anytime you have the gospel being preached, you've got the Holy Spirit working all of the time everywhere. Like with our um, goers that are at the ends of the earth right now, sharing the gospel, God is at work. Um, with our most recent church, Plant in Wichita Falls, God is at work there. Um, in our hospitals, with those of you that work in hospitals in different ways, God is at work on football fields with coaches. God is at work in our residence halls. God is at work um, in uh, in our fraternities and our sororities. Um, the Spirit is at work. Like He's at work right near, now in this room. He's at work even as I talk from the Bible for those of you that are watching online. Like God, the Spirit is at work in surprising ways, awakening and making people new. All of the time, everywhere. It's what it is that he does. And this is why Jesus could say, you're going to even do more because of the multiplying power of the Holy Spirit among, uh, among his people As we speak the gospel word um, wherever it is that we are. As people are reading the Bible, the Spirit working, he's going to surprise us. So um, here's where I pull all of this together is that um, if you're not a Christian, then my deep hope is that this is even happening now or sometime in your future, that you didn't think this was for you, and you had all these reasons why this is for everybody else in the world besides you. You know, having your fun, life's going fine, other people may need Jesus, but I don't, or I'm sick of Christians, or whatever it might be. I I get it all. I understand. Uh, But no matter what the defenses were, um, that there might be an overwhelming of those defenses. And there's loads of us in this room that have had this exact story. And it's always fun when you see somebody, it's almost like Star Wars with a tractor beam, um, that um, you're like, oh, are you calling Jesus a Death Star? Not exactly, but I'm saying that that just interesting when you see that kind of being drawn in start to happen. And uh, I want that so badly for you. And even you might relate with Lexi and Jackson last week that were just saying, you know, like I, I just began to see that all these other things I was living for never really satisfied. They just didn't, you know. I live for them, and I I went all in um, in different ways. Some of you might have felt even, uh, whether it's the good life or the party life. It doesn't matter, and you realize it's empty, and and you realize that, man, Jesus is what I've been looking for all along, to be known and loved like that. I want to say a couple things to Christians that if you're like, what do I do with this? Well, a couple things, really maybe even three. Um, One is that I hope you have a new appreciation for grace that um, grace would be more beautiful and savored than ever before, that he surprised you, he saved you, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, doesn't really matter, Uh, no matter what your perspective was coming into it, that he has loved you and saved you through the gospel word of Jesus' death and resurrection and through the Spirit's awakening uh, power. Um, What an awesome thing. Um, I think another thing that that I think should um, grip us is even a call to um, God's heart for all people to the ends of the earth, That if it's true, the Gentiles, all the nations are now included. It's one reason why uh, Redeemer cares about people that are on the other side of the globe um, that have never heard about Jesus and have no access to the Bible or to churches. And um, sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, Redeemer, y'all are the missions church, which that's fine. Um, I I would just say, I I don't know that it's a great marketing niche. I'm not sure there's a lot of Christian people out there that are missions people looking for a church like that or something like that. Uh, But rather, I would think that all churches should be missions churches and caring about God's heart for the unreached. clear here in the Bible, and the book of Acts is telling that story on how we can even be included in that. A third and final part um, that I think we should take away, if you're a Christian, from this is that the same basic pattern I believe God continues on about how He just continues to surprise us even after our conversion, how the Spirit interacts with us, Um, even just the surprising work of the Spirit in the life of a Christian. And what I mean by that is that um, in your Christian life, you're going to have these times where the Spirit is just going to draw you out, um, where you might be hurt, your arms are crossed, and you're kind of mad at God, mad at Christians, or or like you've made a big mistake and you're walking in a ton of shame. Um, and, um, and it's just been so great over the years to watch how the Spirit has interacted with me, comforted me. Um, sometimes been real gentle with me when I'm, well, I've made a mistake and I've sinned against God or maybe even a pattern of sin and just feel like the weight of shame and then sense his tenderness, reminding me of promises of God's grace and just sensing his care. Or um, even another time like this last year, I was so tired in the spring, so exhausted. I've mentioned this once or twice before. That was probably my personal low point. I don't know when yours has been through all the COVID stuff, but maybe April or May. And to a point where I, I might've just lost it if there had been one more, not that there'd be anything wrong with asking another question about masks or who knows what, or I'm leaving the church. I mean, it says more about me that I was just exhausted really. Um, but I remember like this one point, and I just felt like uh, almost used by God at one point. Like you, you want all this work out of me, but I feel forgotten and, and just was just really exhausted. And I had in very three different ways from specific Christians in about a three-day span where, um, where I was had meetings and not knowing even where that meeting was going to go. And I had Christians that were like, hey, how are you? And somebody just poked their head in my office and going, I just want to pray for you right now. And they couldn't have known how I felt in that moment, but even sensing God's care and love and feeling seen by God. And uh, maybe some of you are going through some of that right now. And even the way the spirit works in a really surprising way, or even sometimes confrontive way where you're just doing your deal and you're just bulldozing and living how you want to live. And he like stands up face to face in a loving, but direct way and saying, Hey man, cut it out for real. Like you're harming yourself and others, dishonoring God. Time to change, bro time to change. And and all of those things in a really surprising and great way. And so what I want to do now is I want to pray for God's surprising work, both in conversion, but also uh, for every Christian that's here, that he would be um, really active and felt and experienced by every person. So let's pray. Lord, would you do that? Would you... uh, work in a surprising way, awakening some um, to your glory, that floodlight of beauty of Jesus, but also in a way for people that are Christians here who are running from you, um, who are uh, very discouraged, full of shame, your spirit would do a surprising work in them and that they would feel seen and loved and and really treasured uh, because of what Jesus has done and through your spirit's work. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.